first learned about who Jesus was my senior year of high school from Shane Prudente in uh, Young Life. The person that brought me to the Lord was a gal that I worked with in a doctor's office, and her name was Mickey Wilson. My sister Helen, uh, when I was probably eight years old, pulled me aside and just really clearly explained the gospel to me, and I clearly uh, accepted it. I was saved when I was 16 years of age at a rural youth rally in Iowa. Hi, my name is William. I came to Jesus when I was three years old when I was in bed with my dad. I'm Diane Smith, and my girlfriend invited me to go to church camp, and that's where I found Christ, and I accepted him as my Savior. The person who first shared Jesus with me was my young life leader, Chuck Jameson. Thanks, Chuck. The people who shared Jesus with me were my parents when I was younger, and when I needed, Jesus shared with me a second time later in life, that would be my wife. My name is John Smith. I received Christ as my Savior when I was nine years old in the Baptist Church in Hobart, Oklahoma. We learned about Jesus in a lot. The people who shared Jesus with me were my parents. My mom uh, was the first person that told me about Jesus when I was really young. The person who shared Jesus with me was Lillian Preston. I came to Christ at her funeral because of the because of her dying message. Well, my parents took me to church in Sunday school as a small child, but my real relationship with Jesus came uh, under the teaching and preaching of a pastor in Billings, Montana, named Stan Simmons. The first person who first shared Jesus with me was my preschool teacher at Liberty Christian School and I went home and talked to my mom about it and she prayed with me and that's when I started my journey with Christ. Don't you like watching that? That is really great. I got so wrapped up in that first service that I forgot to mic up and got up here and had to finish doing that but I'm all mic'd up this morning and uh, I love watching that. And we have one more chance to do that. If you want to be part of that, that's what we're doing. If you want to be uh, able to share with us who shared Jesus with you, all you've got to do is head out to the foyer. When we're dismissed, find that back corner. There will be someone there. Kaylee Willard's going to be there. She's going to film you. And it's just one, two sentences at the most. And then you get to uh, encourage the rest of us. You get to honor the person who shared Jesus with you. You get to honor the Lord for His faithfulness in your life. And you can do all, the, all that in two sentences, and that's a lot to pack in. So I want to encourage you to do that, and then we'll be able to watch one last Sunday. So this is your last chance this morning to do that. We're in the middle of a series called Overflow. And uh, there is a movement that has spread across the globe, a movement that's spread across the globe just over the past year or so, really, but it's been uh, changing the face of the world. Most of us hadn't even heard of it until a couple months ago. And I'm not talking about Donald Trump. No, I'm talking about something else. I'm talking about something that has garnered worldwide attention. It's moved millions of dollars from one part of an an economy to another. And it's influencing everybody. It's influencing regular people. It's influencing athletes and politicians and parents and doctors. And it rose from obscurity. Basically, a year ago, nobody knew about it. 
Now it's known and respected around the world, and its influence has spread, but it's not spread by money, and its influence is not spread by guns. Its influence is not spread by the internet, or social media, or governments, or smugglers, or the black market, or technology, or zealots holding signs, none of that. The worldwide impact that is, that is really the result of one tiny little creature called Aedes aegypti. It's a mosquito. And the mosquito, the Aedes aegypti, is the species of mosquito that's responsible for spreading the Zika virus that you hear about on the news almost every day now. And although there are a few other ways that this disease is transmitted, and doctors and scientists are still trying to get their head a little bit about all, around all the possibilities, it's the, the primary culprit is this tiny mosquito. And this tiny mosquito is such a big problem that I actually heard someone on NPR a couple weeks ago argue in favor of species eradication. That in this one case, NPR actually thinks it would be a good idea for every living example of Aedes aegypti to be extinctified or whatever. Uh, eradicated. That's how serious of a problem this is. You know it's serious when National Public Radio is arguing for a species eradication. So here's what's interesting about that, aside from the fact that NPR has a contract on a mosquito. What's interesting is the outsized influence of this tiny little creature. It's a tiny insect, but it has a big impact. Now, you wouldn't expect something so small to have that kind of influence, would you? It's uh, tiny, but has this giant influence, and, and it's influential not because of its size. It's influential not because of its strength. It's influential not because it's shrewd and cunning as a creature. It's influential not because it has a big brain or big teeth or big claws. It doesn't have any of that. It's weak and small and primitive. What makes it so influential is not who it is, but what it carries. It is not powerful, but it carries something powerful. And that's where its influence comes from. There's a, it's very similar to an idea that we're going to study in the passage we're going to be looking at this morning. So go ahead and take your Bibles, open them to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. We've been in 2 Corinthians for a few weeks during this study called Overflow. And we're going to be uh, in there this week again and next week in this big passage where Paul talks about this unique role that we play in the world. That's what overflow is about, this unique role that Paul describes in these chapters, especially chapters 2 through 7, but we're honing in on chapters 4 and 5, this unique role that we play in the world as Jesus followers. Paul says, we play a role that only we can play as Jesus followers in the world. There's one thing that only we can do. And it is to share a treasure. And this treasure is the good news of the gospel. And as we share this treasure, this good news of the gospel, something wonderful will happen. Something, And that something actually is the inspiration for the title of this series. That something is found at the end of chapter 4, and it says this, All this is for your benefit, so that the grace that is reaching more and more people may cause thanksgiving to overflow to the glory of God. 
as we serve the world as Jesus' followers in the one way that only we can do, as we serve the world in the one way that only we can do, grace will reach more and more people and thanksgiving will overflow to the glory of God. And that process, this process of grace reaching more and more people and thanksgiving overflowing to the grace of God, it has a lot in common with Adis Egypti. Let's see if we can kind of hone in on that as we read chapter 4, verses 1 through 7. Therefore, since through God's mercy we have this ministry. Now, that word ministry, you remember, it's a word that means to serve. Since we have this way of serving the world that only we can do. Therefore, since through God's mercy we have this ministry, we do not lose heart. Rather, we've renounced secret and shameful ways. We do not use deception, nor do we distort the word of God. On the contrary, By setting forth the truth plainly, we commend ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. For we do not preach ourselves but Jesus Christ as Lord and ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God, who said, let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. Well, there it is. Maybe you saw it coming. Maybe you knew where we were headed. You see it right at the very end of this passage, where in verse 7 it says, we have this treasure in jars of clay. Now, just a reminder about this passage. This passage starts out by saying, we have this ministry. That's in verse 1. We have this ministry, this unique way of serving the world. And then in verse 7 he says, we have this treasure. This ministry is a treasure. And we learned last week that this treasure is the gospel. It's the good news of Jesus, that Jesus gave himself for our sins and rose again from the dead to rescue us from sin and death. And we can experience that rescue through simple faith in Jesus. And that is a treasure. It's a beautiful thing. It's not a man-made religion. It's not a way of achieving relationship with God through works, which is impossible. Instead, it's a new relationship with God that is given to us by just believing that Jesus is the one that God sent. And this ministry, this unique way of serving the world, is to take this treasure and share it. To take this good news of Jesus, share it with everyone. That's the one way we can serve the world that no one else can. And it is a treasure. And today we see Paul add one new twist to this idea. We have this treasure, he says... In jars of clay. Now what does that mean? Well, Paul is referring to something that the Corinthians experienced every day. Dozens of times a day, they interacted with these simple clay pots. Just simple clay pots. Everybody everybody had them. They were used for for, uh, storing or pouring or cooking. And they'd been made, made out of clay, fired in a furnace... And just as ordinary as anything, everybody had them. Well, not everybody. Actually, fancy people had a little bit fancier things to 
carry stuff in. They, you know, uh, the one percenters would carry their things in uh, maybe ivory or marble or, or some glass kind of container or brass sometimes, or sometimes some kind of exotic wood. But everybody else, I mean, the hoi polloi, you know, the rest of us, these ordinary clay jars, that's really all that most people had, just these ordinary clay pots. And these jars, they're everywhere. They're, as one scholar put it, they were the disposable bottles of antiquity. So think of it like today, plastic water bottles. That's what we're talking about. Something so ordinary, you see it over and over in the course of a day, in the course of a week, you don't think anything of it. Just, that's what these were. And they were, they had a few qualities. These were cheap. They were cheap because they were breakable. They broke so easy, they had to be cheap. You know, they were so brittle that uh, they had to be cheap and disposable. And you didn't sweat it when, when you broke one, and you had to re- go buy another one. I mean, that's just, that's what these clay pots were like. They, they were brittle and fragile and cheap and ordinary. You know what makes them special? What makes that ordinary vessel special is what you put in it. You pour in a fine wine. You spoon in some kind of savory hummus in that thing. You hide a cache of Roman coins in that clay pot, and all of a sudden, you have an important vessel. It's important because of what you put in it. And that's what God has done with the gospel. This good news that Jesus gave Himself for our sins and rose again so that we, he could rescue us from sin and death. God has taken that message and entrusted it to ordinary clay pots like you and me. Plastic water bottles. Let's be honest. We are common. We are common. There is nothing special and extraordinary about us. We're just ordinary And we, as ordinary people, have been entrusted with an extraordinary message. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 1 that God hasn't called many people who are that smart. That probably doesn't mean you, but it must mean the person beside you at least. Okay, that God didn't call too many of us who are that smart. That's 1 Corinthians 1. And God didn't call too many of us who are influential. God didn't call you because He's like, you would be awesome. For, for what I want to do in the world. God didn't call us because we're movers or shakers or culture makers because most of us are not that. We are not awesome. We are not Waterford Crystal Vosses. We're not Swarovski Crystal Vases. We're just, we're just plastic water bottles. But what makes us different is we contain living water. It's not because of who we are. It's just because of what we carry. But we're common. And like those clay pots, we're not that reliable. We break easy. We are prone, when it comes to sharing this treasure, we're prone to leak it out the side. Get cracks in us and, the, and this treasure just leeches out of us because we get discouraged. 
We're afraid to share Jesus. We get distracted with so many other things. We get busy. We forget we have this treasure that people need. We uh, lose our confidence in the gospel to change lives. We shy away from things that are hard, don't want to do hard things, which pretty much, by definition, sharing Jesus comes with challenges and hardship. That's basically what Paul goes on to say. After he says, we have this treasure in jars of clay, look at verse 8. He says, look, uh, we're hard-pressed on every side. We're, cr- we're perplexed. We're persecuted, verse 9. We're struck down, verse 9. He goes on to just describe how broken we are, how easily we get off track, you know, how... how challenging life can be for us. We get pressured and perplexed and persecuted and struck down. We're just ordinary, fragile clay pots. And yet somehow we are the repository and the conduit for the greatest news ever. The life-changing message of Jesus. And Paul makes it really clear. We've looked at, we've read this passage a few times in chapter 5, so flip over to chapter 5, and you'll see uh, Paul makes it very clear, this treasure has been entrusted to us. 2 Corinthians 5, beginning like in the middle of verse 18, God reconciled us to Himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, us, clay pots, plastic water bottles, nobody special. God gave us the message of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to Himself in Christ. Not counting men's sins against them. Think about that. God has given us the message that God doesn't want to count people's sins against them. Do you know anybody who could use that news? Do you know anybody who could use that news? Right. You bet. We have the news that God doesn't want to hold anyone's sins against them. And that message has been entrusted to us. He has committed to us the message of reconciliation. And we are therefore Christ's ambassadors, clay pots, who represent Jesus as though God were making His appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. We are the repository and the conduit of the news that God doesn't want to hold anyone's sins against them. And He has taken action to free us from death and sin through the work of His Son, Jesus. We are repositories and the conduit of the greatest news ever. And this treasure exists in jars of clay. Basically, God says, I'm going to entrust the priceless, life-changing message of my Son to these plastic water bottles. Sounds like a plan, doesn't it? Sounds like a terrible plan. Sounds like a terrible plan. But actually, there's divine wisdom in it. Because by God entrusting this treasure to you and me, By God entrusting this 
extraordinary treasure to ordinary people, common, fragile, ordinary people, he is able to display an extraordinary story. That's what the rest of 2 Corinthians 4, 7 says. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. See, it actually is a great plan. It's not a terrible plan. It's a brilliant plan. Because in this plan, the people are ordinary and the message is extraordinary. We are ordinary and it's the good news about Jesus that is the extraordinary thing. It's not us. So when you take that deep breath over that cup of coffee that you're having with your friend who's far from God, you take that deep breath and begin to share Jesus with them. And you don't feel adequate. It's because you're not. And if you feel like, I'm just an ordinary person, who am I to be sharing this with them? It's because you are an ordinary person. But you carry within you an extraordinary message. You carry within you An amazing, powerful, life-changing message of hope and forgiveness and freedom that God doesn't have to hold men's sins against them. And you carry that message within you. And if you will just function as a conduit for that message, God's Spirit will do the rest. It's not up to you to convince and persuade and cajole and arm wrestle someone into choosing Jesus. You just share and you urge, that's okay, and you ask and you encourage. You let God do the rest. And when you do that, you're just an ordinary clay pot. What's extraordinary is the news that you share. And there are two parts to this news. One, one part of the news is God's story. And that's one part of uh, sharing Jesus that all of us need to be equipped to do. Share God's story. We talked a little bit about that last week. How to share God's story that, that God did become a, a human being. That He lived and died in our place as the man, uh, God, the God in the flesh, Jesus and that His death pays for our sins. We talked about different ways that we can share that. And if you want to be able to share the good news of Jesus, you have this extraordinary story, God's story, but you have another extraordinary story to tell as well. And that is your own personal story of how that treasure, how that message has changed your life. Because you have a story as well. Now, you may not feel like you have a story. You may feel like, well, you know, I'm ordinary. It's it, only, what, only what God has done. That's the extraordinary part. No, you, all, you are ordinary. But you contain within you an extraordinary story, not just of what God has done in the world, but also of what God has done in you. You have an extraordinary story as well. Now, you may like, I do not have an extraordinary story. But here's the deal. If you've received forgiveness of sins, you've received repaired relationship with God, You've received the gift of eternal life. You have an extraordinary story. 
everyone in this room who's a Jesus follower is an extraordinary picture of God's grace. Every story in this room is unique. Every story in this room is powerful. Every story in this room is dramatic. It took all of God's grace just to save you. Whether you trusted Jesus as a six-year-old kid or a 50-year-old serial killer, it took all of God's grace to save you. Jesus would have had to die and rise again from the dead even if your sin was all he had to pay for. Even if you're like, well, I trusted Jesus when I was in the third grade, Jesus would have had to die and rise again from the dead to pay for your sins as a third grader. You have an extraordinary story to tell that is part of this treasure in a clay pot. You say, well, my story isn't very dramatic. You know, I was raised in a Christian home. I was taught about Jesus from as early as I can remember. and I've trusted Jesus as a child, and I never really got into drugs. I never joined the occult. I, I never shot a man in Reno just to watch him die. I never did that. Wow. What an amazing story of God's grace in your life. How God called you from an early age, protected you from dumb decisions, and has guided you your whole life. What a beautiful story of God's grace. That's an extraordinary story. Well, my story isn't like that. My story isn't nice. My story isn't nice at all. I rejected God pretty much my whole life. I rejected God. I did what I wanted. And that included a lot of terrible things to a lot of people. And I did shoot a man in Reno just to watch him die. Well, hey, what a beautiful story of God's grace in your life. That God called you out of a lifetime of rebellion. And that even after decades of shaking your fist at God, and, and uh, things that you've done, that if anyone knew them, they, they'd be ashamed for you. But God called you out of that into His family and adopted you as His son or daughter. What an amazing story of God's grace. Well, that's not my story. I trusted Jesus as a young person, but then I got off track for a long time. I mean, basically, when I left high school and I left my youth group, I went to college and I started doing everything I bottled up that I'd wanted to do all those years. And I did it for a long I made some bad choices and I made some bad friends, and they had a bad influence on me. And one weekend, we went to Reno. And someone shot me just to watch me die. But I didn't die. And I lived. And I've turned my life around. And I've, I've uh, looked back on this decision that I made as a Jesus follower, as a child. I recognize Jesus hasn't changed. And that really, He's the only one that brings meaning and purpose to my life. And, that I, and so I've tr- I'm trying to figure that out now. And I've Turn to Jesus for forgiveness of sins, and I'm watching him slowly piece my life back together. Wow, you have an amazing story. What a beautiful story of God's grace in your life. That he would be faithful to you even through those years of rebellion, that he would call you back to himself, and he would faithfully pursue you as his son or daughter all these years, and now you're back in that relationship with him that He's always wanted for you. You see, you have a story to tell. You are a clay pot. 
but you contain a treasure. The treasure of God's story, what Jesus has done, and the treasure of your story, what Jesus has done in your life. And you and I, we need to be ready to tell both of these stories. They're really the two things that we need to be equipped with in order to share Jesus with the people in our path. And we want everyone at Trinity to be able to share their story and God's story so that we're all well-versed in how to share the basic Bible facts of what Jesus has done for us, but also the, the story of our own lives and how Jesus has impacted our own lives. We want everyone at Trinity to be able to do this. It's one of our ongoing visions for our church, so I'm going to give you an assignment, and we've done this before as a church. It's a great exercise. Our growth groups are doing this, and if you're part of a growth group, hopefully you'll be going through this process. If you're not part of a growth group, it's another good reminder of how valuable our growth groups are, that they help take things we talk about here and, and implement them to the next level. And You don't have to be part of a growth group to be able to follow through on this. It just helps. And your assignment is this, to think through to think through and write out and memorize your story. Not your whole life story, all right? We don't have enough time for that. Not your weird God story, right? The weird God story, God woke me up in the middle of the night and told me who I was supposed to marry. Not that story, all right? No, uh, your 100-word summary of how you came to Jesus and the difference that it's made in your life. A hundred words. That's like 45 seconds long, maybe. A hundred word summary of how you came to Jesus and the difference that it's made in your life. And you format it. You just write it out kind of before and after. Before Jesus is like this. Since Jesus has been like this. A hundred words. You give it a theme that runs all the way through it that kind of ties it together. And, and uh, in a way that connects with the person who's far from God. And then you take out all the religious jargon, cross those words out, and replace them with normal words that regular people use, and then memorize that story and practice it. Practice it with your spouse. Practice it with one of your friends. Practice it in your growth group until you're able to tell it when God gives you the opportunity in someone's life. We did this as a church a few years ago. We asked people to share their stories with the church. And, and, well, to, to write out their story, and then we kind of we provided a forum on our website uh, a few years ago for people to post those stories on our website, and that was a lot of fun reading these different 100 pa- 100 page, 100 word summaries of of uh, before and after Jesus. That was really encouraging, and uh, some of you are like, "Oh, I remember doing that," and you still remember your story, and you're equipped with it, and you could tell it if someone asked you to. Or if God provided you with the opening. Some of you are like, oh yeah, I remember doing that. I think. I'm pretty sure I... And you know what you need to do is take yours out, blow the dust off of it a little bit, scrub some of that rust off and update it. Maybe the last few years has added a little bit of trajectory to that story, a little bit of color. And you need to update it. Some of you have never done it. And this is your first time to really think about, wow, 100 words about before and after Jesus and how God made that trend. And wow, I don't know if I could do that. You can do it. It's challenging. It really makes you think. It makes you think about the story God's telling in your life. But that's a treasure 
you need to figure out how to get that treasure outside of you into someone else's life in a currency that they can connect with. A few examples. I asked a couple of folks if I could share their examples from uh, a few years ago. I'm gonna, first one I want to share is Barb Turner. Barb's right here. And uh, I want you to see this story. I was blessed to grow up in a family that went to church and Sunday school every Sunday. In spite of that, I strayed from those teachings in my 20s and 30s. However, God did not give up on me. As I look back, I see His hand guiding me and using circumstances and people to draw me back. Making a decision to have a personal relationship with Jesus has brought more joy and peace to my life than I could have imagined possible. That's a great story. Patty Smith shares this story. I gave my life to Jesus when I was 21. I'd gone to church because I was getting married, and the guy wanted us to attend the church we'd be married in. My life was a mess, and I needed hope. I heard God's word and realized Jesus could fill my every need. With tears in my eyes, I stepped into a new life with Christ and said goodbye to a not-so-great fiancé five days before our wedding. I knew God had a plan for my life, and it's been an adventure. But with God, I'm certain He's got my back, and that's all I need. Right on. My story. I decided to follow Jesus as a kid. And more than anything else, it's following Jesus that has given me a life of purpose and meaning. I know the kind of person that I am. I am the kind of person who would live for myself. Without Jesus, I'd be living for myself. I would not be interested in being faithful to my wife. I would not be interested in raising kids. I certainly wouldn't be interested in adopting kids. I would want to live for myself. And I'm also old enough to know that after a life of living for myself, I'd be a very unhappy man. I would be very unhappy living for myself long enough for life to have caught up with me and to see that it really wouldn't satisfy me. Following Jesus has given me the promise of eternal life when I die, but it's also given me a meaningful purpose to live for right now. You have a story. It's an extraordinary story. You've got to think about it. It's got to be as extraordinary as the gospel of Jesus is because it's the other half of that. So just as extraordinary as God became flesh and died for our sins is your story. God became flesh and died for your sins and brought this new life about in, your, new life about in you. Not perfect. None of us have perfect lives. Nothing, it's not like everything's gone right since Jesus. But we have a story to tell of God's faithfulness in our lives. And they're extraordinary. They're from ordinary people, but they display God's extraordinary message. So you have a handout in your worship folder that you could go ahead and pull out if you'd like. And it's this big, you have actually a bunch of handouts like Chris has pointed out. But this one here, we, we handed this out last week. And on this one side, it's, it's God's story. And we have three different simple ways that you can share God's story with someone over a cup of coffee or while you're walking or taking a walk around the block. Or if you've got more time, you can unpack each one of these at, at various levels. But three different ways for you to tell God's story. And you need to be able to, you need to have one of these that's your favorite. And maybe you like to be able to tell two of these, and just depending on the circumstance. But you need to be equipped. Part of being equipped to share this treasure 
is being able to tell God's story. Now, this handout this week has another half to it, another side to it, and that's where you write out your story, your 100-word summary of how you trusted Jesus and the difference that it's made in your life. And what I want to encourage you to do is learn to tell God's story and then learn to tell your story. And maybe you want to hand write out a couple drafts before you put it, put it on here. And you want to keep this in a place where you can keep your ability to tell God's story and your story sharp. But that's your assignment, to take this with you. If, you'll, if you will be ready to tell God's story, and you will be ready to tell your story, you will have what you need to be an earthen vessel with a heavenly message to share. And here's what it all comes down to. God has made us, you and me, people of influence in this valley. We are people of influence in this valley. Not because we're smart. Not because we're clever. Not because we're unique in any way. But because we carry a powerful, life-changing message. That God doesn't want to hold men's sins against them. And he's taken action so that that doesn't have to be the case. We're ordinary people, but we carry an extraordinary message. And it's our job to bring this message to the people in our path in this valley. It's not us, but it's up to us. I hope you'll take this home and you'll make sure that you're ready to share Jesus with the people in your path. There's one other thing that we're going to do, and this message is over, so you can take a deep breath, and one more practical assignment, all right? We've got Easter, Resurrection Day, coming up just three weeks from today. It's the last Sunday of March. So this is the first Sunday of March. On the last Sunday of March, Easter, Easter Resurrection Day, three services. We're going to set aside all those. We set aside the whole day of Easter to serve our valley and to present the good news of Jesus. And to do that, we serve and invite and pray to serve sign up in the foyer to invite we're going to hand you invitations starting next sunday but the other thing we need to do and we need to start preparing for it now is to pray we want that last week the week leading up to easter to be a time of significant significant prayer on behalf of our church and we're going to be praying for other churches but we're especially going to be praying for the people that god's put in our path and we've given you a couple tools that we'd like you to use uh, to help us prepare and to help us pray for you. So you have a big card and a little card. Big card, pray for me, blank as I do blank, all right? And then something called an Easter impact card. This big card, pray for me, we want you to put your name there and put the names of the people that God's put on your heart to invite to Easter so that we could be praying. Now, this will be all internal. It's not going to be sent out on the internet or anything like that, you know. But you put the names, first names, if that's all you're comfortable with, first names and last names. We want to begin praying for these people. And then in the week of Easter Sunday, or Easter, we're going to let you know a little bit more about how we're going to mobilize as a church to pray for these names. But we need your names on this card, and you can turn this in during the offering. Then this card, it's an Easter impact card. We use impact cards all around, uh, all year long to pray for people in our paths who need Jesus. But this is especially for Easter Sunday. So we're going to put on this particular card the names of the people we put on this card. Trinity gets this, so we can mobilize for prayer and you can come here and be able to pray for these names. You keep this so that you remember your commitment and you're praying for the same people you've asked us to pray for. That's fair, right? 
So you turn this one in, you keep this. We have a couple Sundays to do that. You may be like, I'm not ready. I don't, uh, you know, don't know yet. All right, then you can do it next Sunday or the next Sunday. But if you know, go ahead and turn that in this morning. Put names on both of these cards. So when we give our offering, you're going to be doing lots of stuff. You're going to be filling out a blue card, and you're going to be filling out these cards, and you're going to be putting money in the offering basket. Don't forget that part. And uh, so you've got a lot to think about. We've got a lot, we got a lot to think about. We want to mobilize. We're, we've, got a, we've got a treasure to share with this valley. We need to be faithful to do it. You know what? If we're a bunch of clay pots, we really can't do it without God's help. So let me pray. Father, uh, we trust your plan that you've put this message in us so that it will be obvious to everyone that it's your message and not us. It's not because we're clever. It's not because we're uh, extraordinary in any way. But it's because you're an amazing God who works in amazing ways and has done beautiful things for the world and for us. And we want to represent those things to the people in this valley who are far from you. There are more of them than there are people who know you. So we have plenty of work to do in conjunction with all the churches that you have uh, called in this valley. We want to be part of that. And so we pray that you will energize and mobilize us to do that. Put names on our hearts and then help us to follow through by praying individually and then corporately as we get close to Easter. God, put it all on our hearts and help us to be faithful what you've called us to do. And we ask it through Jesus. Amen.